Let's go to Luke chapter 5 this morning. Luke chapter 5. And I love that it makes a great coffee coaster. I love that. That was a great idea. That's a great idea. And if you don't love coffee, shame on you. <laughs> you know, we're from, you know, we're from the Northwest, all right? There's coffee places every corner. And there, there's a line always at, I mean, especially in the mornings at almost every one of them. We're building a new church and, you know, one of the things that we're doing, we have a coffee shop, like with a real deal espresso machine and, and hopefully some baristas and all that sort of stuff. Our, our goal is to get the neighborhood in uh, to see that the walls don't cave in on them when they, you know, when they come to church and uh, have a cup of coffee and whatnot. Uh, all our floor is polished concrete. So, you know, we don't, we're not going to encourage spills. But if you spill, it'll just slide down to your neighbor's you know, seat. That, that's how that's going to go. But uh, we love coffee in the Northwest. And you know what? I think everybody loves coffee. I mean, you know, the good people do. I mean, almost everywhere. <laughs> Some of you are going, he's a bad guy. That's what that guy is right there. He, he'd make a great villain. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And uh, Jesus is on the earth here and he's begun his uh, ministry. And, uh, you know, he's, he's walking, he's getting, uh, he's getting his disciple team, if you would. And uh, he, it came to pass here in verse 1 that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them. And were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done uh, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships that they began so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed them. Uh, let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you again. We can assemble today, and uh, we have um, we've tried uh, to worship you in spirit and in truth, and uh, we, we can only do that with your help, and so we thank you for that. And uh, Lord, we thank you for these facilities, and we do thank you for the AC, uh, the cushioned um, pews, uh, the amplified sound the video. We, we just thank you for these conveniences. We thank you for these tools that allow us to do this in somewhat of a comfortable means. But now we ask, dear Father, that uh, you'd use these means and help us to then be hearers of the word and then doers as well as we be deceived. Help me to preach the word, tell the truth. And uh, I pray, dear Father, that your Holy Spirit would uh, fill me and uh, use me and uh, speak to hearts. 
and minds, open ears uh, to receive. Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, uh, he's the best. He is the only uh, hope uh, for eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. I pray that I pray that, that soul would see that and receive Jesus as their Savior, be born again, and have eternal life, be able to live a life that would be pleasing to you. Help us to do that. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing. Amen. This is uh, you know, a somewhat uh, familiar passage to you that have been in church for uh, just a little bit of time. Maybe I heard about it in Sunday school, junior church, all the way on up to uh, today. And in this passage, Jesus Christ is giving an invitation to uh, four men who would soon be known as disciples and apostles, uh, Simon Peter. Uh, Andrew, his brother, James and John, their brothers. And uh, before he gives the invitation here to uh, follow him, uh, Christ presents a test, in particular to uh, Simon uh, Peter. And it, it is the test, is something we want to talk to a little bit about today, test of submission, the test of uh, yielding. Uh, to yield uh, means to submit. Uh, to, to, to yield means to give up. Or to comply with. Uh, maybe if you had a brother and you were a brother, you know, you got hand clasped in hand with them one time or another and you had a test of strength and, you know, you're trying to turn each other over. Really, you're just trying to hurt each other is really what it comes down to. And ultimately, you get them down and you're trying to get them to yield. You're trying to get them to give up. You're trying to get them to comply. You're trying to get them to say, uncle. And uh, the Lord has certain tests of yielding. Yielding is a movement at an intersection, right? We come up to these uh, intersections and you have this triangular sign and uh, it is a yield sign and it is a place where you may give way or take way. And uh, I mean, and really, it, you know, I mean, I understand that there's laws and to the right and to the left and who started first and whatnot. But but ultimately, you have a choice whether you're going to give way or uh, take way. I'm driving a Jeep this week, so I'm taking way all the time and never giving way. I and mean, that's just how it goes. That's that's what I was told right from the get go here. And so that's I've, I've just complied with that as much as possible in Christianity. This is, a, this is a Christian church, okay? And so in Christianity, you have a choice. God, God doesn't make you. God will test you, and God will roadblock you, and God will direct you, but God, God won't make you. And uh, you have a, a, a choice to yield to righteousness or yield to Unrighteousness. Hold your place right here in Luke 5. Look over to Romans in chapter number 6 and, and, and see this. Romans chapter number 6 and uh, verse number 13. Romans chapter 6. And I don't know, but I'm, I'm a Bible reader, okay? So I'm a Bible believer. And because I'm a Bible believer, I'm a Bible reader. And uh, many times a year, I'll come back to Romans. I think Romans is such a foundational doctrinal book. And when I get to Romans 6, 7, and 8, I mean, I, I'm convinced and see more and more how it's the key to victorious Christian living. And in Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 13, the Bible says, Neither yield ye your members 
Your members he's talking about here is not that the pastor has a choice for you. You have a choice for yourself. Your members are your fingers and your, 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 your ears and your eyes and your mouth and your feet. It's, it's your whole being. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves, that's what that members is, yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That's what God wants. That, that, that's what God is asking for, but that is not what God is making. Now, we, we might say sometimes God made me, and that was through a series of events, but, but rarely does God just make someone. This is the choice of love that you have. This is the choice of yielding that you have. And as your pastor speaks to you about a giving to missions, it's a choice. He, he's not making you. If he were to go through the cards, which he will not look at name by name, but if he were and see where is so-and-so's name, he's not knocking on your door next week and saying, hey, we didn't get your card. You, you need to. Now, he wants you to because he believes God wants you to, but he's not going to make you. And I think God wants you to, but he's not going to make you. He's talking about yielding and you have a choice. You have a choice. You can give way, or you can take way. And go back here to Luke chapter 5, and see some areas that the Lord speaks to Peter about. And, you know, um, if, if you read your Bible, you, you, you read about Peter in the Gospels, and then obviously in the epistle uh, that he wrote. Uh, and you, you, you see how that, I mean, so many of us like to say that we relate to Peter, and mostly that's when we use our big mouth in a wrong way. That was kind of Peter. And, um, but, but, but God used him, didn't he? And God was after him. And uh, I think Peter uh, clearly had some stubbornness. And uh, God is trying to get him to yield that stubbornness, if you would, that strong will to him. So, so first thing he says is he gets into that uh, boat and, and he says in verse number three of, of, of Luke chapter five, he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, <laughs> that there were other ships there. You see that? But, but he chose Simon's, Simon Peter's. And, and he got into his ship and he prayed him. So praying is asking and he prayed him. Uh, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And, I, and, I, and, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And uh, so the first thing I would say to you that the Lord is looking for you to yield is your possessions. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm just saying this in the order that I see it in the book of Luke. And I don't know what the order would be in your life. It may be a different order. And I'll just tell you ahead of time, I have four points for you this morning. But, but the first one he's talking about is your possessions. These are your, you know, your goods, your goods and your things. Uh, the Bible would call it mammon, uh, substance. And my, my favorite Bible word for all of this, and I think it appropriately describes us Americans, stuff. Stuff. Um, we have some folks in our church, and uh, their, their uh, father, father-in-law, is getting 
older and, and needs some help. And so um, they're cleaning out their house. They knew he had some stuff because they saw the house. In fact, uh, the, the woman, when they, when they began to uncover some things, they found her car from high school. 20 years ago. Didn't even know it still existed. That's a lot of stuff. And then they went to the storage shed. And the storage shed. And the storage shed. And all six of them. So what is that? That's a lot of stuff. And we as Americans, I, I think... Again, hey, look, I'll, let me say this. this. I'm glad to be an American, okay? I have the socks to prove it. Um, I vote. I do all those type of things. I mean, just I'm, I'm an American, okay? So, so when I talk about Americans, I'm not trying to be hard on you, but I'm preaching to Americans today. So I'm, I'm not preaching to Botswanians. Close enough, right? Not pre- I'm preaching to Americans. And we have a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced that, um, first of all, that we need stuff to live. I'm also convinced that God even allows you to have some more stuff than others. Just, he just does. And you know, the Bible says he gives us richly all things to enjoy. And some of that stuff, it's, it's just, that, that's what it is. However... God wants all your stuff to be willingly offered and available to him. Just, it's, it's not my stuff. It's, it's his stuff that he gave me. Uh, you know, J- Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and, you know, that, that passage, you know, Genesis 37 to 50 is all about Joseph and his brothers and all that deliverance. And he's revealed himself and they're going to come out of uh, their life and the land to Egypt. And one thing he says to his brothers is he says, regard not your stuff. Genesis 45, 20. Don't look, don't look, don't look back. Hey, look, I got you all taken care of. Probably no greater type of Christ in the Old Testament than Joseph. He's got to be one of the top two, three. Jo- Joseph says, hey, you, you come over here and I will take care of you in Egypt. Did you catch that? The Lord says, I'll take care of you in Egypt. R- regard not your stuff. And I think it's important we see there in verse number three that Christ prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And I love how the Lord just, he takes us step by step. Now, now there's a purpose in going out a little from the land. He's going to preach to the people. (laughs) Peter was zealous. You know, Peter would, if, if, you know, no, no telling Peter would just rode out, you know, you know, a mile out there. All right, Lord, preach. It's a lake. They'll hear you. But just, just a little. But you know what the Lord just does? He takes us by little and little, doesn't he? That, that's what he does, by the way. If you, ha- if you don't know that, if you're newly saved, the Lord just takes you little, little, little we, we, you know, we call them baby steps. So, and that should never be offensive because you got born again and you're a newborn, a baby in Christ. And so he takes you a, a, you know, a step 
by step. These are steps of faith, by the way, because we're trusting Jesus at his word. He said, pretty soon you're walking. Isn't that what we do with children? They, 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 they stand one day and we take all the photos and Insta and all that sort of stuff. And then, and then one day they stand up next to the coffee table and they let go. Ooh, big news. <laughs> and then they let go and take a step and fall. But the next day they take a step and they take another step. And now we say they're walking. And that's what we do as Christians. Now to the point where we've been saved for a short amount of time or a little bit longer amount of time and now 30 years down the road, we don't even think about it. We just walk. Because we're taking God at his word. That's a walk of faith. It's believing Jesus Christ and his words. We're taking him at his word. And God is saying, I'm praying you. Not making. He didn't yell at Peter and say, hey, get out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's, there's nothing mistake, there's no mistakes in this. Let's, let's trust out a little bit here. And the point is that Christ desired the use of the boat. Let me say it this way. Christ desired the use of the stuff, but did not require it. He desired it. And Christ requested the use of the stuff, but he didn't demand it. <laughs> Listen, we, 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 this God that's speaking here, he made it all. He's totally capable of making it just right then again. He said, I'll take your, I'll take your stuff and I'll use it. And so throughout the scriptures and, you know, Peter had a boat and, and Moses had a rod and David had a sling and five stones and Samson had a jawbone and Gideon had a trumpet and a pitcher and John the Baptist had a voice and a lad had five loaves and two fishes and a widow had two mites. And so what stuff is it that you have that God will take and use for his glory? God won't make you give it up. It won't make you. Listen, he's he's a good God. He's long-suffering to us, word. He says, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You You know what he is? He's a good, good father. He is not looking for ways he can beat you and demean you. And he's saying, if you'll just, you'll, you'll give that up, I'll, I'll take it. And by the way, whenever you give your stuff to God, it's better. Come on, P- Peter's boat became better the minute Jesus Christ stepped into that thing and sat down in it. I mean, why? Read Hebrews. Everything that Jesus is and does is better because he's the best. And I'm just saying to you this morning, first of all, the Lord wants you to submit. He wants you to yield. Give way. Give way. I didn't say give it all away. Do you know in the Bible the Lord said to one person, sell all that thou hast? 
He said that to one person. He ran into a lot of people. He said it to one person. Saul all that thou hast. That guy struggled with it. But he's just saying, give it all to me. Not give it all away. Give it all to me. And it becomes better with Jesus. Now, just a little time out here. Some of you could get rid of some stuff. Like, I'm one of them. We had, we had a shop fire almost two years ago. Um, similar to the fire that Joe Biden had in his kitchen, but it just, a little bit bigger. Um, we, we had a shop fire. And, you know, we, it, 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 Brother Marshall said, well, I, I know you can, we didn't lose all our stuff, we just lost stuff. Like, a lot of the stuff that was in the shop actually came with the house when we bought it. You know why? It was just stuff. And the guy we bought it from left it. But, but having said that, as we replace it, we just sometimes look, we, don't, we didn't need it then. We really don't even need to replace it. You know why? It's just stuff. It's just stuff. So just look at it that way. It's just stuff. And yield, submit your stuff to the Lord. Number two, look at Luke chapter 5, look at verse 3. He entered in one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and sat down and taught the people out of the ship. I, I always like to just pause here because of who I am and just say that you can sit and teach. Just, I, just, I just like to say that. Because for some reason, that just becomes a contemporary thing. Well, then Jesus was contemporary. Doesn't Mark Rogers do the smile thing, I love you? Well, you guys have had him a lot, so. That's the truth. But, but here, here's, these were busy men. Do you know what most of you are? Busy. Busy. And uh, that's okay. That's, well, I mean, what we're busy with is important, but it's okay to be busy. And these are busy men. They're working men. And time is of the essence uh, if you're a fisherman. Like, again, this is commercial fishing. This is their life. And, and the Lord says, number two, I want your time. I want your time. Give, give, me your, give me your time. You see, uh, one thing about our Lord is he's very aware of your time. It, listen, he made it. Right? I mean, you understand before Genesis 1-1, it was just eternity. Not just eternity, but eternity. And my mind really struggles with that, only in the sense of comprehend it. I think I can kind of comprehend eternity future because we get a little bit of a glimpse of it in the Bible. But eternity past, I just start going, you know, like, whoa. And then one day the Lord said, all right, this is going to be the first day. And then this is going to be the second day. And so God made time. He put a sun, a lesser light, and a greater light to rule the day and the night. He made time. And so God is very well aware of time. And I would say this, he's very well aware of your time. This is the great thing about our great God. He knows you. Like, he doesn't just know us as a group. 
He doesn't know us just as the world and a nation. He, he, knows, he knows each one of you intrinsically and individually. He knows your downsittings and he knows your uprisings and he, he knows all of that. And he made time. The Bible says about him, he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the Lord knows all about time. So when he asks for time, he's not asking for something he doesn't know about. Don't we say that sometimes? Well, I mean, you don't understand. And the Lord does understands very well. So much so that he came down in time. Right? God who inhabits eternity encapsulated himself in time and he lived down on this earth in time. That's amazing. And he understands time. And so when he asks for time but doesn't demand time, he asks for time. It's up to us to give it to him. And I would say that time for Jesus, listen, time for Jesus is never wasted time. When we read this passage here, we see these men and they're going to wash their nets and take care of that. That's important. That's very important to a fisherman. You've got to clean them all. You can't have all the gunk and they're going to deteriorate faster. They're not going to be able to catch the fish. They're going to mend them. That's very important. Why? Because one slips through, two slip through, and now you've lost the whole catch. Some things are needful, but some things are more needful. We, we find that out with Mary and Martha. And time spent for Jesus and time spent with Jesus is never waste. Here's what the Lord knows about those nets that, that Peter doesn't know. In just a few seconds, those nets are going back in the water. That, that's what we read it in the passage. But, but, but Peter's so concerned about what has to be done then, he's... Management of time is important. But we must yield all of our time to the Lord. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, so, you know, I, again, I mentioned I have another job. While I'm at that job, I need to make sure that I'm managing my time at that job, but I'm still giving it to Jesus. What do you mean? I mean, just at a moment, if I have an opportunity or whatever, it might be, this is Jesus' time because he gave me this time. Uh, when, when I'm with my family, I need to understand that he's giving me this time with my family, and I want to give that time to them, but I want to understand that this is all Jesus' time. When I'm giving my time at Heritage Baptist Church or today at Hope Baptist Church, I have to understand that I'm giving this time for you. So this is church. Yeah, but yeah, this is Jesus' time. By the way, by the way, sleep is Jesus' time. He gives his beloved sleep. You're not, you're not wasting time sleeping. Now, you can be a sloth and you can be lazy. That's different. But when you're going to pillow your head at night and you're sleeping, you know what you're doing? You're sleeping and you're giving that for Jesus. So, oh, I love that. I can do that. Good. Do it. Yield it to Jesus. What? Your time. Give Jesus the time, number three, 
Look there at verse number four. Now when he had left speaking, uh, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a, I'm, I'm going to call it a draft. Some would call it a draw, call it a draft. And uh, now the Lord again does not ask, but says launch. And uh, Lucifer appears uh, in scripture um, as that light bearer in Isaiah chapter number 14. And uh, he is the one who, at least we first believe, exerts his, this is the, this is the test here, will against God. And the ter- third test is your will. Your will. Um, someone said one time, if I could fix your rathers, I could fix you. I mean, I'd rather do this, or I'd rather do that, or I'd rather do this, or I'd... And God's trying to fix that in your life. And he's asking for your will. Will you submit your will to the Lord? Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, let's turn there if you would, and we see this magnification of one's will against God quite clearly. Isaiah chapter number 14, and, and uh, this picture here of Satan against God and verse number 12 for time's sakes he says how art thou fallen from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations for thou hast said in thine heart notice notice this I will you've seen these but maybe not I will ascend into heaven I will exalt my throne above the stars of God I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I will be like the most high It's his will against God's will. And let me say this, and this is strong language, I I would say, but it's true language. Exerting your will against God's will is satanic. It's sin. Now, you know, you're not going to have a pentagram on your forehead or anything like that, perhaps. But but it is what it is. It's, it's, It's sin. And so what, what must I do? Go back here to Luke chapter 5. I must give way, must yield to God's word by, uh, God's will, excuse me, by subjecting to his word. Look at verse number 5. <laughs> Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, notice, at thy word I will let down the net. At thy word. I, look, I, I'm a... I mentioned already, and I, I, I probably hammer on this as much or more than anything as a pastor, but I, I am a Bible believer. I believe this is God's inerrant, inspired, preserved, whatever words you need, sufficient word of God. This right here. And because I believe that, I'm a Bible reader. And I'm going to encourage you, be a Bible reader. I'm seeing nods, so I know some of you, most of you are, but if, you, if, you aren't, if you're not, yield your time, become a Bible reader. I got, I got a guy in my church that goes to work at three in the morning, okay? He's a truck driver. And he said, Pastor, I'm struggling to get up at two to read my Bible. And I was like, don't. 
I said, you know, do you have an MP3 player? Do you have a CD player or whatever it was in your, in your truck? Yes. There's this guy named Alexander Scorby. And he does an amazing job of reading the Bible. Just put that in your truck. And, and if you have time during the day at a lunch break or a coffee break or what it is to open up the Word of God, get in there and read it. But I'm just saying, seek you out of the book of the Lord and read. Why? So you can know what thy word, God's word, says to you. Remember we talked about a personable God? We can read the same passage today. I read Proverbs chapter 10. And because I'm more spiritual than you, I read Proverbs chapter 11 as well. Okay, just want you to know that. Just joke, joke, kidding, kidding, kidding. Okay, I did read it, but not because I'm more spiritual. Probably because I'm less spiritual and I need more word. But, but we can all read Proverbs chapter 10 today. And the Lord can say something to you that he didn't say to me. And he'll say something to me that he didn't say to you because I needed it and you didn't. And you needed it and I didn't. But we all ought to say, nevertheless, at thy word, I will. See that? Nevertheless, this, this is what I want to do. Hey, this, this is what I know is right. That's what Peter's saying. Oh, we, we just fished. We just hit all those holes. Nevertheless, you know, you know, this is what the Lord did. And I don't understand this all the way, but he said, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, I'm, I'm not really uh, willing um, I'm, I'm struggling. And Lord, would you make me willing? And Lord, would you do that with grace and mercy and kindness and tenderness? Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. Others in you here at one time or another, you said, I will. Just like the Two boys in Matthew, and you never have. You've never followed through. And, and just today, September 10th, 2023, and you say, okay, Lord, I said that, I didn't. Today, I, I am willing to be made willing. I yield it to you. Lastly, look over here to Luke chapter number five, and I'm just going to maybe wrap that all up. And we've read it already. But uh, Peter went out in verse 5. He'll let down the net. And they did this. They enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Their net break. They got their partners involved. It's so amazing. They had so many fish that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. Verse 8. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I love this, for he was astonished. Someone knows more than me about fishing. Someone knows more than me about, and you can fill in the blank, because God knows more about it than you. And the fourth thing is, I would say you need to yield your pride. And that pride and that will certainly are associated. But Peter's a fisherman from a family of fishermen. James and John are fishermen from families of fishermen. Christ is not. He's a carpenter. Christ is a carpenter. That's how they know him. It's the carpenter's son. Carpenters don't tell fishermen how to fish. Well, they try. They try. 
And fishermen don't tell carpenters how to build. But they try. And so you, you, we have to kind of personalize this in the sense of this is a really real deal conversation that went on between two really not that old of men. We know Jesus is right around 30. I think Peter's probably a little bit younger and they're just kind of looking at each other and I know and you don't and Jesus knows. Peter had toiled all night. He caught nothing. And really that is an essentially, essentially a definition of pride. Toiling all night and catching nothing. Work, work, work. Thinking you're the best and getting nothing. And then even with a little bit of pride still in there, Peter has partial obedience and he lets down a net and lock, not the nets. And they break. And I, I would just say to you, maybe even going back to our stuff, which net are you holding back because you know more than God? Now, now again, no one says that. No one looks at God, I mean, for the most part, and says, <laughs> you don't know. But in our heart. And really in our actions. Lord, you, you, you really, you're not here. And the Lord's saying, say uncle. Hey, say father. Say Lord. And yield. In, in life, the Lord says to us, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? All your stuff, it's, it's from the Lord. All your time, from the Lord. The fact that you have a will, it's from the Lord. To humble yourself, no one humbled himself more than our lovely Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's from the Lord. Today I would encourage you to yield. I did that. Yield again. In my life, in the Christians I know of, Christians, yielding is a daily undertaking. Sometimes it's a couple times a day, numerous times a day, undertaking of, not, not me, Lord. Without you, Lord, I have nothing. I know nothing. I can do nothing. Lord, here, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Let's pray.